This year, I am focused on saving and investing, but I still want to do things like travel. NerdWallet lets you compare top travel credit cards side-by-side to maximize your spending, some even offering 10 times points on your spending, which means you could end up with a free flight or maybe a better hotel room. So what could future you do with smarter financial decisions? Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Well, now it is on homes.com. They've got everything you need to know about the listing itself, but even better. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools. And their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. Homes.com collaboration tools make it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Hello and welcome to Happier, a podcast where we discuss cutting-edge science, the wisdom of the ages, lessons from pop culture, and our own experiences about how to be happier. This week, we'll talk about why you might spend one hour working on your email inbox, and we'll talk to Gary Tobbs, the writer who changed my life, about his new book, The Case for Keto. I'm Gretchen Rubin, a writer who studies happiness, good habits, and human nature. I am in my home office in New York City once again, and with me is my sister, Elizabeth Kraft. Elizabeth, I always answer your emails right away. That's me, Elizabeth Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in L.A., and Gretchen, yes, you are always prompt in all things. Yes. I admire that about you. Uh, Well, thank you. Well, before we launch into today's episode, we just want to acknowledge everything that has happened this week in the United States. Yeah, Gretchen, I kept thinking about you because you worked in the Supreme Court, so you walked by the Capitol in D.C. every day. That's right. Um, Going in and out of the Supreme Court, I walked by the Capitol building and the Capitol grounds constantly, and it was just shocking, horrifying. I couldn't have imagined that something like that could happen in the United States. Well, I really hope it's a turning point uh, in so many ways. It feels like it is. I hope so. Well, to transition abruptly from the historic and the monumental to the quite mundane, because maybe now more than ever, we all need to have a feeling of control and normalcy in our own lives to gird us to go forward. This week, our Try This at Home tip is very concrete, very manageable, which is just to spend one hour, one single hour cleaning out your email. Yeah. Now, Gretchen, I checked um, when we were talking about this, and I have 47,490 unread emails. Now, I do have to point out, I've had my same email address since 
1993. So that, that does give me some excuse. That is true. Now, I, I'm not as bad as that. I aim to have fewer than 100 in my email inbox. I now have 238. Amazing. But wherever number you have, it's very likely that you have more emails in your inbox than you want to deal with and that you feel burdened with them. Perhaps not as burdened as almost 50,000, but it's a lot. And so this is an area where if you take some time and clear it out, it might make you feel a lot calmer, a lot more in control and set you up going forward to spend less time dealing with your email. Yes, and there are so many advanced strategies. Um, We have some super low-tech ones because we are not techie. Yes. One thing to do is give yourself a feeling of time pressure. So you're not just like poking around remembering what's there, but you're really trying to get as much done as possible. Right. You're just doing this for an hour. You can do anything for an hour, but like really, really try to keep up the pressure Uh for that 60 (laughs) minutes to just go bang, 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 bang. And it's best to use this time strategically. And so instead of just deleting one email from one particular newsletter that you don't read after another, unsubscribe to it. So unsubscribing, is it's, it takes a second, and sometimes it's just easier to delete the email, but then you've got to keep doing that over and over, and it just loads you down. So you want to go, so use this time to unsubscribe to newsletters if there's something that you're no longer reading. Yeah. Another thing to do is to create folders if that works for you. Don't spend a ton of time on it because research shows that search is actually faster than using folders. But for some people, this helps them to organize their email and get things out of the inbox. Yeah. The research shows that for some people, they can spend a lot of time just sorting things into folders. Mm -hmm. So you really have to examine, is this a place where having a folder would really make it a lot easier, or is it rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic? Here's something to do with your 60 minutes. A lot of times you may use your email as a to-do list, and the experts say you should not do this. I 100% do this. I will email myself something to make sure that it goes into my email um, to, yes. uh, to prompt me to do something. But a lot of times with all emails, it's like someone's just waiting to get back to us. And the thing, reason we haven't deleted is like, we need to look up those dates or we need to look up that code or we need to, right. how many inches is this doodad that we need to replace? Now is the time to go do that. So in a way, this is sort of like power hour in that this is the time to do all those little things that you've been putting off so that you can get the email deleted. Yeah, Scratch, what I do is I'll keep emailing myself or forward the same email to myself over and over to keep it on the top of my email. Yes, I do that too. Okay, another thing, and we've heard this from a lot of people, set up an alternative email for marketing emails, shipping confirmations, etc. If you set up an entirely new email, those won't be flooding your inbox. Right. And apparently most email providers will also let you set up an alias so you can have a different name. Again, that that is already edging into the slightly too <laughs> techie for us. But the thing is, is to separate what is your active, valuable email from things that are either nonsense or very low information that you could check if you want to check it, if you need to check like the shipping confirmation thing, because like, why hasn't this thing arrived? But you don't necessarily need it in your your main active email inbox. Yeah. And Gretch, I'm a sucker for signing up for an email to get 10% off my order. Mm-hmm. You know, you'd sign up yeah. for 10% for our newsletter. Yeah. So a junk email would help me a lot because that's a lot of what fills my inbox. 
Or if you don't have the other email, go ahead and unsubscribe yeah. right away. Yes. And always yes. look for that box when they ask you, do you sign up for this yes. newsletter? Because a lot of times I'm like, oh, I didn't see yes. that box in time. Or it's like checked and you have to uncheck it. One thing about when you go into a store and they ask for an email, I just say to them, I mean, back in the days when we were going into stores, I just say, I don't give out my email and mm. nobody ever challenges it. So sometimes you can just skip giving your email, even if people are asking you for it. Yeah. Another thing to do, Gretchen, and this is a little more delicate, but um, talk to coworkers if you're being CC'd on Ugh, you know, a, yes. a string of emails unnecessarily. So, oh, I don't need to be CC'd on the monthly report, but yeah. thank you so much. Yes. Because even if it only takes a second to delete it, it's still a decision and decisions are tiring and it still takes time and it still just makes you feel more crowded and swamped when you see like, oh my gosh, I look at all these emails I have to go through. Yes, because one work email with CCs, and if you people are replying all, I mean, that yes. can balloon into 30 yeah. emails exactly. very quickly. Ex exactly. I know it's, it's kind of interesting, and maybe there is this function, and I just don't know about it, where you can like uncc yourself. I wonder mm. if that exists. Anyway, could be dangerous. Another thing to do is to create canned language so that if you find yourself typing the same thing over and over, use this hour to create that canned mm. language because that'll save, even though it takes you time now, it'll save you a lot of time and energy downstream. And Gretchen, one email issue I have is I save so many of my personal emails because mm. they feel like letters uh -huh. and it feels wrong to delete them. Like the, our uh -huh. updates, like if mom sends an update or dad, especially those two, I never delete them. Ah, well, that that's a great example of create a folder and put them in a folder because you want to keep them, but you can just like keep them tucked away and then you know where they are but they're not in your email inbox. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. Okay. I mean, what I found is that a lot of times why this kind of thing works for me, the 60-minute thing, the amount of energy that actually is required uh -huh. to write an email and deal with an email is so much worse than actually sitting down to do it. It's like the stewing is worse than the doing. Yes. And so if I just sit down and blast through a bunch of them in 60 minutes, it's like way disproportionate in savings than it is in effort. Yeah, that is very true. And another thing that I've noticed is that a lot of times, like, let's say you have a long process that you need to begin and you're sort of feeling like, oh, my gosh, like, how can I get this thing started? Once you write the first email and kind of lob it into the world, then it takes on its own energy because people start to respond and it, it starts to move out of just being in your head and your responsibility. So often I find if I could just force myself to figure out who's on this e email list to begin with and write that first one, then it's out of my hands in terms of having to be generating all the energy around some project that I'm trying to get going. That's a good idea. I have to say, Gretch, though, with the 47,000 emails, it's going to take me more than one hour to, uh, <laughs> to get to the bottom of that pile. I got to mention, you can select all of your emails and mark them as read. Oh. Because I don't think you're going to go through 47,000 emails individually and... And yes. And then could she move them into a folder? Yes, you can just create a folder and then select the emails that you want to move and move them to that folder. So it's kind of like faking inbox zero. You haven't actually gotten rid of them all. You could get to them and yet they're off your conscience kind of because mm. they're not showing up in your email with this like terrifying number. Yes. And also they'll be available for if you want to search for them. Yeah. You're, you're not actually deleting them. So but you're getting them off your conscience. Okay. <laughs> there you I go. need to do that.
There you go. Um, let us know if you do tread this at home and how taking an hour to deal with your email works for you. And what strategies did you use? Um, what gave you the biggest bang for the buck in terms of spending that 60 minutes to tackle your email inbox? Let us know on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Drop us an email at podcast at Or as always, you can go to the show notes and comment there, happiercast.com slash 308 for everything related to this episode. Coming up, we've got a happiness hack about organizing photos on your phone. But first, this break. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe without spending a fortune, and luckily I found Quince. Elizabeth, I got the Flow Knit Wide Leg Pant. It's very light. It's perfect for the summer. It packs very easily. I recently went on a trip with my family, and I took it with me, and they were just the thing to wear on a really hot day where I wanted to be covered up, but I wanted something that looked great and also was very comfortable. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to Quince.com Gretchen for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Gretchen to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com Gretchen. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and free. And, you know, Elizabeth, I now work with a team and hiring the right people is so important. It's maybe the most important thing. And LinkedIn makes the process of identifying and hiring people easy and intuitive. I know that when I've been hiring for my team, it's hard to find quality candidates to interview. And LinkedIn isn't just a job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Gretchen. That's linkedin.com slash Gretchen to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, now it's time for the happiness hack. And in keeping in this theme of organizing your <laughs> virtual life and trying to clear clutter to clean out your head, we've got one related to phone photos, which I think feel very oppressive, though <laughs> beloved to many of us. Yes. This comes from Lucy in North Carolina. She says, every day I go to the search function in my phone's photo app and enter that month and day, no year, so that all the pictures I've taken on this date through the years appear. It's a happiness boost in and of itself to revisit these images, but I also take it a clutter-clearing step further and use the opportunity to delete images I no longer need, such as random screenshots or duplicate images. The thought of culling through my thousands of images is so overwhelming I'd never do it otherwise, but this way I clear the digital clutter and relive the memories all at the same time. 
Excellent suggestion. Well, in a way, it's the strategy of pairing because it's saying if I want to look at my photos from the past, you know, this day, five years ago, I need to clear out those photos that I don't need. It's a brilliant way to harness something that's not so fun with something that's very fun and to make it manageable at the same time. Because day by day, it feels very manageable. Even if you had a ton of photos, it's like how many photos you have from one day. Whereas if you sat down to think like, oh, I'm going to go back 10 years and clean out my, my photos, it would feel, I mean, you'd never do it. Yes. Love this thought. Thank Thank you, Lucy. Thank you, Lucy. And now for an interview with Gary Tobbs. Gary Tobbs is an investigative science and health journalist who has won numerous awards for his journalism. He has degrees in applied physics, engineering, and journalism. He's the author of several books, and most recently, those have included The Case Against Sugar, Good Calories, Bad Calories, and Why We Get Fat, and What to Do About It. Before we launch in, we should say we're going to be talking about subjects like eating, what not to eat, management of weight, metabolic syndrome, insulin resistance, and insulin response to carbs, and so on. Many people, for their own reasons, may not want to listen to a discussion of these subjects. If this isn't for you, skip ahead to demerits and gold stars, which will be coming up next. Yes, and here's a description of his new book, The Case for Keto. Based on 20 years of investigative reporting and interviews with 100 practicing physicians, Tobbs' book makes clear the misconceptions and how we've come to think about obesity and diet. No, people do not become fat simply because they eat too much. Hormones play the critical role. And he uses the collected clinical experience of the medical community to provide essential practical advice. This book sets out to revolutionize how we think about eating healthy to prevent and reverse both obesity and type 2 diabetes. Now, I have to say, I am a huge fan of Gary Tobbs' work. It changed my life. In March 2012, I read his book, Why We Get Fat. I read it during my spring break um, because, you know, Elizabeth, you're a type 1 diabetic. And so I'd always wanted to learn more about insulin and how Mm. insulin works in the body because obviously that's like the life-saving hormone for a type 1 diabetic and for all of us. Um, And when I saw that Why We Get Fat was really about insulin, I wanted to read it to learn more. And I have to say, I read it and overnight I changed practically everything about the way that I eat and I am so much happier and healthier now. And um, after I made that change, our father uh, also made that change. And for him, it was even more important because... He had so many health factors like his weight, his blood pressure, his triglycerides um, that had, they just stopped moving in the wrong direction and moved very swiftly in the right direction. Um, Now, if you want to read more about that, what happened there, I, I do write about it a lot in my book, Better Than Before, in the strategy of the lightning bolt, because reading this book hit me like a lightning bolt. And I have to say, Elizabeth, you've been sort of an involuntary student mm-hmm. or, or perhaps more accurately, an innocent bystander of my preoccupation uh, with the work of Gary Tobbs. Yes. Much discussion about Gary Tobbs in our household. <laughs> yeah. His name yeah. comes up all the time. Yeah. So it's great to get the chance to talk to Gary. Hey, Gary. Hi, Gary. Hi, guys. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's so great to have you back to talk about the case for keto. Uh, Now, Gary, one of the things that's most striking about this book is that what you are arguing is really 
the the core of it is very uncontroversial. Like it, it has to do with basic way the body works in a way that's widely accepted. So take people through sort of what that argument is. Well, what's widely accepted is the idea that how much fat we store in our fat tissue is regulated primarily by the hormone insulin. So this is textbook medicine. You look up Insulin in the textbook and, and, and fat metabolism will tell you that when insulin goes up, you store calories as fat. And when the hormone insulin comes down, you uh, release those calories to be burned for fuel. And we pretty much secrete insulin in response to the carbohydrate content of the diet. So all of that's textbook medicine. The problem is it's never been considered relevant to obesity before. Hmm. Uh, well, it has been, but the people kept ignoring it. So for hmm. about 90 years now, we've had this belief that obesity is caused by eating too much. People who are burdened with obesity simply can't control their appetites. And even the, the, the high-tech uh, genome research nowadays is all targeted at trying to explain why obese people might eat too much instead of trying to explain why they might store too much fat. And if you simply ask, why might they store too much fat, then you're left with this hormonal insulin-centric regulation of fat tissue. And that tells you that if you want to get fat out of fat tissue, you have to lower insulin levels. And what a mm. ketogenic diet does, what keto does, is it maximally lowers your insulin levels. It's pretty much that simple. So you just choose what you eat. And this is what I do because you yeah. changed my life. You choose what you eat based on insulin response. And your aim is to need as little insulin as possible as you go through your day eating all your snacks and your meals. Yeah, and that's, that's pretty much it. And the way you minimize insulin is you avoid the foods that stimulate insulin secretion, which happen to be carbohydrate-rich foods. So this is where people begin to blanch at this idea, but it means you don't eat sugar, sweets, and grains. Mm -hmm. And so when people ask me, are you on the keto diet? I mean, the book is called The Case for Keto. I would prefer to say, you know, I just don't eat sugar, sweets, and grains. And what's the difference, Gary, with the keto diet, Atkins, and paleo? Or are they similar? Keto and Atkins are the same thing. I also, okay. you know, when I was, when we were younger, keto was called Atkins. Um, okay. the, uh, the, one of the phenomena that happens in this field is as time goes on, as the medical research establishment, they say it's all about eating too much. You got to eat less. That's the final answer. The rest of us all spend our lives trying to eat less and failing and we get heavier and heavier. So then you go to, let's try a biological approach to this problem, which is, uh, well, if insulin drives fat accumulation, let's lower insulin, and then you find that works. So people keep reinventing that. Mm. And every time a new physician <laughs> comes along and says, geez, if I can get my patients to give up carbohydrates, they'll lose weight relatively effortlessly. Um, then they wanna write a book about it, they have to come up with a new term. Well, I'm type one diabetic, so obviously, it would be great for me to not eat carbs, you know, most of the time. Um, but I love carbs. I mean, I don't <laughs> want to give up carbs. Like, what can you say to me to make me want to do this? So here's the first reason. You're making a choice between do I want to be as healthy as I possibly can? Or do I want to compromise my health for my taste? And we all do that in many ways. I, mean, I still, I drink a ton of coffee that I can't believe is good for me. You know, every time you have a beer, you're 
somebody is somewhere saying, I'd rather drink a beer than be as healthy as humanly possible. Um, you know, we make these compromises all the time. It's not just about living as long as humanly possible. It's about living well while you do it. And that's the compromises we're going to make. Um, I do believe that if you minimize your carbohydrate consumption, you could minimize your insulin usage as a type 1 diabetic. And then you would, uh, Richard Bernstein of Bernstein's diabetes solution and calls this a law of low doses. You minimize the damage done by the carbs while you minimize any complications from the insulin and also minimize the likelihood of something going wrong because you're using as little insulin, a very powerful drug. It's tricky and it takes learning. The other argument I would make is as you switch your diet to a fat rich from a carb rich diet from a fat rich diet you will go from craving carbohydrates eventually to craving fatty foods because ah. you'll switch your body from running on carbs right now it's running on carbs for fuel so it's carbs you crave the reason these are your favorite foods is because this is what your body perceives as necessary fuel as you shift to burning fat your body perceives fat as a necessary fuel and that's what you'll crave and I say that based on anecdotal observation. There are animal studies that go back to the 1930s that show that as you shift like rodents from eating carb-rich diets to fat-rich diets, they lose carb cravings and gain fat cravings. It makes perfect sense. Anecdotally, this is what you hear from people in my world, but I could imagine that the people who don't lose their carb cravings may not stay on the ketogenic diet, so they may not email me ever to tell me how well they did. Right. You know. Well, that's but that's one of the most surprising things about what you argue is that you're really saying embrace fat. Fat is fine. And this idea that we've sort of said, oh, we all have to go around cutting as much fat out of our diets as possible in order to be healthy, that that's exactly wrong. That is. And you know, Gretchen, because you know my history, the I started in this field with two investigative articles for the journal Science, and the first was on salt and high blood pressure, and the second was looking into this question of our belief in the 1990s, and by our, I include my own belief that dietary fat was the cause of heart disease. And um, I spent a year on that article, but the data were clear. I mean, this was a failed hypothesis that the nutrition and public health authorities sort of bought into and fell in love with and couldn't shed once the studies failed to confirm it. So for this new book, I interviewed a, a 120 plus physicians who think now like we do and believe that the, the healthiest diet they could eat is a low carb, high fat ketogenic diet. And this is a diet they should prescribe to their patients. And I said, the hardest challenge is getting people to realize that they can eat fat and it won't kill them. Well, Gary, I remember when uh, we, you know, I was first talking to you about all this, I would say to you like, oh my gosh, I'm looking down at this plate of scrambled eggs, you know, with the yolks right there cooked in, in butter and thinking, wait, am I, is it okay to be eating this? And, and thinking, well, you know, this is, this is healthy. And, and it turns out that it was. Well, and this is, you know, I've been on this for 20 years, right? Both writing about it, researching it, reporting it, and eating this way, and I still feel the same way. <laughs> uh, you know, and it's just we have been conditioned to believe that eggs will kill us. Yeah. Or yeah. butter will go right to our arteries. That's the kind of language people use, and it's just, it's, it's a failed scientific hypothesis. I don't know how else to put it. And clearly when people eat this way, that's the other reason I can write a book like this. Or now 
probably more clinical trials done on very low carbohydrate, high fat ketogenic diets than any diet approach in history. And they're all consistent. People get healthier. You eat this way, you get healthier. That's what's so crazy about the fact that we have to convince the medical establishment to buy in, because they're the ones who keep doing the trials, and the trials are consistent. And where does alcohol fit into this, Gary? Because I think a lot of people could imagine giving up potato chips, but not wine. Uh, And I think this is, well, again, you know, one thing you're trying to do, and this is what I try to get across in my book, is that the idea is to make you as healthy as possible. So it's not to go on a diet. It's not to, you know, lose 15 pounds and then chain, go back to the way you always eat. What you're looking for is to be as healthy as possible. And I'm arguing, as are others, that by restricting the carbohydrates we eat, particularly the highly refined grains and sugars, but also the starches, um, you'll be as healthy as humanly possible. Alcohol is the one area where I really think the phrase in moderation comes in. I mean, again, you know, I can't imagine living my life without coffee. I tried to live my life without coffee and I failed. I just mm-hmm. wasn't, I went a year without caffeine at the end of a year. This was about four years ago. It was like, okay, I'm going back to coffee. This wow. isn't worth it. I can understand the desire to drink wine. Or you might say to yourself, you know, this sounds a lot like an addiction. Maybe I should work to give it up right. and see how I feel without it. Yeah. Um, part of this is self-experimentation, deciding a lot of this is, you get rid of the major sources of insulin secretion, the sugars, grains, and starches, and then you see how your body works, how you feel, and what else, what you might want to compromise at that point. But if you compromise from the beginning, like I'm going to have two glasses of wine every night regardless, you may never find out how your body can work without it. Right. Well, that's one of the things that I, I, uh, that I saw that you emphasized over and over in this book is that we can't make a generalization about what, how everyone will respond because people's bodies are so different. And so a lot of it, this is a matter of figuring out what works for you and understanding that one person could have a healthy body under one set of conditions, but then another person to have a healthy body would have to have a different set of conditions. Yeah. Thank you so much, Gary. It's so great to talk to you. Yeah. You've inspired me every, like, I'm like, <laughs> Okay, I've got to try. I have to try. It's worth it. Okay, well, thanks, guys. (laughs) If you want to listen to another interview with Gary Tobbs, we talked to him in episode 98 about his last book, The Case Against Sugar. Or if you want to read a more in-depth interview I did with him about that book, you can request it at podcast at GretchenRubin.com. Coming up, I give myself a cleaning demerit. But first, this break. Eating processed food for every meal isn't healthy for people or for dogs. We all know that, and kibble is subject to multiple rounds of high-heat processing, making it an ultra-processed food. The farmer's dog is real, fresh, healthy food with whole meat and veggies gently cooked in human-grade kitchens to preserve their nutritional value. My dog, Barnaby, loves the farmer's dogs. When he sees me pulling one of those packets out, he comes running. It's personalized, vet-developed, and it has recipes for as little as $2 a day. Meals arrive in pre-portion, ready-to-serve packs, and they're conveniently delivered on whatever schedule works for me. Get 50% off your first box of fresh, healthy food at thefarmersdog.com slash happier. 
That's 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash happier. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors, big and small, and when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe place to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. Gretchen, when I started my career, therapy really helped me work through all of my stresses so that I was able to concentrate at work and do a good job. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Gretchen Rubin today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Gretchen Rubin. Okay, it is time for demerits and gold stars. And this is your week, Elizabeth, to hand yourself a demerit. Yes, Gretchen, my happiness demerit is that I have not been cleaning the house. Uh, (laughs) And I think I've talked about on the podcast how I really have tried to pick up my cleaning during the pandemic. Yeah. Like, cleaning toilets, vacuuming, changing the sheets, all of that. I've tried to do my part and I felt like I was doing a good job of it. And now I've just completely fallen off. Um, Maybe because we've started working, you know, so much on Fantasy Island. It just like feels like I don't have time. But like those trash cans need to get emptied is the bottom line. And I don't want Adam to have to do everything because he really does do his part. It's not fair to make him do everything. Right. Well, I remember you mentioned that you stopped making the bed, but here you're you're not talking about just tidying here. You're talking about like actual cleaning. <laughs> yes. So, um, you know, I don't know if I need to say, oh, Mondays I empty the trash cans or have some sort of system, but um, it does start to feel so overwhelming. Yeah. So yeah. I need to keep up with it because I really do know that I'm going to feel better if everything feels clean and if I don't feel the guilt of Adam having to do it all. Well, it's just we're all spending so much more time at home. Usually you would be you wouldn't be having this heavy, heavy use of your own home. Because you'd yes. be out in the office and Jack would be at school and Adam would be doing his thing. And yes. Yeah. Everything gets dirty faster. Yes. And my gosh, the dust, you know, yeah. constant need to dust. Yeah. So that's me. Well, I think a lot of us are feeling (laughs) that we're learning to lower our standards a little bit. (laughs) So I'm going to try to do better. Um, How about you, Gretch? What's your gold star? I want to give a gold star to medical science and researchers. All right. For two reasons. First, for the vaccine, which we are so excited to get the vaccine. Yes. People, we both know people who have started to get it. So that's exciting. And um, there was so much firepower thrown at this question. It's fantastic. Light is coming at the end of the tunnel. And I must say, January 9th, I have to mention it every year. Um, This year, it was the sixth anniversary of my husband, Jamie, being cured of hepatitis C. He got, got hepatitis C when he had a blood transfusion during heart surgery when he was eight years old. And he went on many experimental treatments that didn't work. But then there was one that was approved. He went on it right away. And on January 9th, six years ago, we got the email from his doctor saying, 
no virus detected. And so I just, I, I'm so grateful. It's like the happiest day of my life. And uh, so I want to say thank you to everyone who works in medical science and research for all that they do to keep everybody healthy. Yes, I remember Gretch, his doctor saying, just hold on because yes. research will yes. catch up. Like <laughs> it will happen, you will be cured, but you just have to stay healthy until but, but that, that happens. But that was the thing. She was like, Jamie, just hang on to your liver. And yeah. I was like, he's trying. But yeah. he's like, I was like, how exactly do you do that? Yeah, so yay yes. medical science. Yes, and 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 think about your liver. Yes. The liver... I love the liver. Uh, the resources for this week. Um, if you want a, to win a signed personalized copy of Better Than Before, my best-selling book about habit change, which we've talked about during this episode, to enter, you can follow my Instagram account at Gretchen Rubin, like the giveaway post, and comment on the post by tagging three friends. And if you win, I will send you a signed personalized copy. This is open only to U.S. readers, alas, uh, because of mailing costs. And registration is still open for the Happiness Project Experience 2021. If you want to join a community focused on making meaningful change all year long, join us today at GretchenRubin.com slash T-H-P-E or click the link in the show notes. The registration window closes soon for the year. So join today and get started so you can be on the first live Ask Me Anything call. And Gretchen, we wanted to mention, because we're all about our um, hashtag <laughs> read 21 in 21, yeah. what we are reading this week. I am reading Liar's Club by Mary Carr. It is an excellent memoir. I'm really into it. What are you reading? I am reading a book called Little Big by John Crowley, which I heard about because it was recommended by Ted Chang, and I'm obsessed with the work of Ted Chang. And it's kind of like uh, an adult modern fairy tale. It's really unusual and really interesting. Good. I'm halfway through. Let us know what you're reading. You're 21 minutes a day. Yes. So fun. So fun. And that is it for this episode of Happier. Remember to try this at home. Tackle your email for one hour. Let us know if you tried it, if it worked for you, what strategies did you use? We all need this help. Thanks to our guest, Gary Tobbs. Check out his new book, The Case for Keto. Thanks to our executive producer, Chuck Reed, and everyone at Cadence 13. Get in touch. Gretchen's on Twitter, at Gretchen Rubin, and I'm at Elizabeth Craft. Our email address is podcast at GretchenRubin.com. Now, usually I tell you to recommend the show to a friend, but today I'm going to encourage you to rate or review us or subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to your podcast. That also is a huge help to us. Until next week, I'm Elizabeth Kraft. And I'm Gretchen Rubin. Thanks for joining us. Onward and upward. Gretch, um, did you have something this morning? Because you look so pretty. You've got your makeup, your hair, <laughs> like the whole thing is going on. Yeah, busted. I had TV today. So uh, um, that's why I, I'm all uh, spruced up. Well, you need a once. Zoom happy hour or something. <laughs> yeah. From the Onward Project. I don't know about you, but I'm always looking for ways for my son to get involved and give back in our local community. That's why I'm excited to tell you about Student Visionaries of the Year, a campaign by Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, the largest nonprofit organization dedicated to creating a world without blood cancers. 
Student Visionaries of the Year is a seven-week philanthropic leadership development program for high school students. Participants form strong teams and fundraise in honor of a pediatric blood cancer survivor in their local community. This program is transformative. It not only helps students develop valuable life skills like project management, communication, financial literacy, and entrepreneurship, not to mention it looks great on college applications, but most importantly, is also a chance for them to engage in meaningful work within their community and make a real impact on blood cancer patients and their families. You can learn more about Student Visionaries of the Year or even nominate a student at lls.org students. That's lls.org students.